Welcome to Pet Sitter Confessional. Today, we're brought to you by Time to Pet and Pet Perennials. What's your role in the pet care industry? You may respond with, to run a business, to help more pets, to help more pet people run a better and more balanced life, guilt-free of being away. But what are we able to contribute to the industry at large? Today, we're joined by Jamie Migdahl, founder of FetchFind, to discuss how we can leave a legacy and make our mark in this industry. She shares how we should continue to push our limits in education, collaborate with others in pet care, and how we can decrease competition by increasing the number of people with pets. Let's get started. Sure. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. It's been great to meet you over the over the years and seeing you in New Orleans at the uh, NAPS conference was awesome. A great a great reminder of the great work you do. So thank you so much for, for, for letting me be a part of this today. Um, so I, I am Jamie, and I'm the CEO and founder of a company called FetchFind. Uh, FetchFind was born out of my own needs as a pet care professional over a 20-year span of building pet care businesses, hiring pet care teams, and not having the tools that I needed to effectively onboard and retain them, and also make sure that I was maintaining good levels and consistent levels of safety and other important protocols. And uh, when I after I had a dog walking company for many years, and then I became a dog trainer, uh, I decided to sell. So first company, sold the second company, and then saw the opportunity to take all of that content and knowledge that I amassed for all of those years working directly in the pet care field and build some content to help other people that were my colleagues and peers, uh, people who own pet care businesses and all sorts, daycare, boarding, grooming, dog walking, pet sitting, veterinary, didn't matter, any one-to-one provider. And so, yeah. Sorry, Jamie, go ahead. No, I mean, this is, this is the whole deal, right? So we, we, I'm you, I'm a pet care provider at heart. That's my, that's my DNA. And, you know, Fetch Find is here as a digital resource and a wonderful content platform for anybody that works in the pet industry, either as a solopreneur or owns, you know, owns a, a multitude of locations of any, any specific pet care vertical. We can help them with, employee development, uh, onboarding, and we are launching in August a a first of its kind, a centralized brand platform. So we'll have uh, content, really cool educational content around all of the brands in the pet industry. So folks who are working with animals in their homes or in a different environment know how to put a gentle leader on or understand the difference between grain-free and not grain-free or understand, you know, the different types of litter that's available. So our content will go beyond the basic and important pet care content into more of a holistic perspective on what it means to be a pet care professional and the content and the education that anybody in the industry should have access to in an easy, well-defined, low-maintenance sort of way. So everything will be on the FetchFind platform. We're going to have our own app. We're going to have a whole bunch of stuff coming out uh, in mid-August. And you said that was born out of kind of your own needs and what you saw in the industry as far as needing to get um, staff trained, retain them, and build that culture. How has that itself changed since you've started FetchFind? Um, you know, has the problem gotten worse, or are there new problems that you're seeing that are needing to be solved? I don't think this problem changes ever. Um, I think that the industry itself is romanticized highly. Um, and so people who are considering working in the pet industry, whether it be as an entry level, 
you know, groomer or uh, someone who wants to walk walk dogs or pets it or or using whatever platform an employer they choose to do that with, there is a lot of a lot of romancing that goes on. They're going to be running through the poppy fields with golden retrievers nipping at their heels, and and unfortunately, that's just about the opposite thing. And so, <laughs> so no matter what. Whatever our economy brings or whatever challenges COVID created as far as labor uh, acquisition and retention, the reality is that in our industry, that is for sure the number one issue is the, is trying to demystify what it means to be a bad care professional because it certainly ain't pop the fields and golden retrievers. <laughs> well, we've seen that too when we have people apply to our positions as we're hiring and they come in with this idea of what they think it's going to be. And our, our hiring process is now almost exclusively trying to banish all of those preconceived notions that they have, right? And and that's a, a big thing that we as an industry have a lot to do of. Yes, we, we think, you know, I know, Jamie, you believe it's the best job in the world that we get to do, but we've got to try and figure out how to communicate that to people in an effective way and, and train the next generation, really, of, of professionals behind coming behind us. That's right, because without a good labor force, um, we don't have an industry, frankly. And without a labor force that we set proper expectations for, we don't have an industry that creates any sort of permanence. It's a continually transient sort of, you know, transient uh, labor force and and therefore the businesses suffer, the clients suffer. You know, I remember uh, talking, uh, I mean, this is anecdotal, but during COVID um, and sort of maybe a little bit even sort of on the tail end, no pun intended, I was talking to a neighbor who got a doodle and it's shocking and um during COVID I know a doodle puppy during COVID no one's ever heard of that it's the first I know can you imagine and so she was you know, in love with her dog and loves the dog and and um and she's like, I think I would rescue one now and I was like oh that's cool she got one from a breeder which whatever all good right so I think I, I would definitely want to rescue a doodle I think that's what my, my family would like us to do but we're just not going to do that I was like am I getting caught in something I'm so confused I don't want to get into any sort of weird political situation with breeder versus breed. that's just not an area that no no one wins that conversation and so i i pushed a little bit as to what was her is it because of the lack is it a shortage situation is it a political situation is it a financial situation like what like just sort of very you know as a neighbor you want to be want to be cool with this stuff her answer for why she wasn't going to acquire a second animal it's not because of any of those reasons that one would think it's because she couldn't get a grooming appointment and couldn't find a border couldn't find a place to port her dog she's like you know what i can't get this dog groomed or find a place to put him in boarding i can't find an open slot in a boarding uh, boarding reservation there's no way i would double down on that and i was like oh my goodness this is the problem that everyone is ever paying attention. The industry only expands when we have a solid labor force. The industry expands. And I don't mean, when I say the industry, I mean pet ownership. You have to have an expanding pet owner. You have to have, pet ownership has to continue to grow. If that flattens or takes a dip, our industry does as well. And the only way to encourage, there's lots of ways to encourage pet ownership, obviously responsible pet ownership. But if people can't get a grooming appointment or find a dog walker or find a place to board their dog while they go to Disney World, they're not getting another one, no matter what, because it's a huge headache. So that's really when I think about the industry, I think about lots of things, but I think about how do we make sure that people can get a second dog or a cat or a rabbit or whatever it is that's going to make their household more full and more whole and more loving. If they feel like they can't do that because they don't have access to resources that all start with a pet professional, then we're going to be spinning our wheels for a long time. 
Yeah, because that's part of that industry growth, right? We, we look at those big numbers of, oh, how many billions of dollars is the industry going to be this year? But there has to be a support. There has to be an infrastructure. There has to be that, that labor force that you're talking about. There have to be businesses to meet that demand. And I see in a lot of Facebook groups, uh, you know, established businesses going, well, you know, I see five more pet sitters popping up in my area. I see 10 more coming in. I just saw these posters. And it can be a bit... Um, you know, you can see that and go, wow, look at the growth. But for the business, for the personal perspective, you can go, oh gosh, more competition. Oh gosh, what's going on? Am I going to lose clients? So how, how do we as business owners embrace that growth, embrace more new people coming into the industry without feeling like, oh, what, what slice of the pie are they going to take from me? So that all comes down to really about, you know, the, the value proposition that a business owner provides to the audience, the marketplace, which is about, you know, obviously we'll talk mostly about education, I think is really, it is about education. It's not just about education for the, for getting a piece of paper that says I got this certification or this badge, but it's about, it's about creating a labor force within your business that embraces quality pet care and the only way to do that is through great through great education so i think that the differentiating factor there's two things actually the differentiating factor is have a trained labor force and not just train for the sake of training but so it's it's a cultural component to what your business is doing that you have everybody has taken the same type of content you have some discussions around it have some competitions around it whatever it is to get everyone aligned that the education that you provide as a pet business owner isn't just something that you have to do. It's something that you want to do. And that becomes, again, a part of the, the overall conversation. More importantly, or maybe I shouldn't say more importantly, because I don't think that's accurate. As importantly is getting the public's awareness. Uh, getting some, there's, we have a lot of work to do as an industry to make sure that the Average pet owner understands the difference between a flyer at the grocery store and someone who has a trained staff who is insured, bonded, and all of those other check-the-box important business, uh, uh, some of the important business structure. But we have a long way to go because right now no one no one knows that we have we love our little letters in our industry, CPT, PACC. We love our letters, but. Us loving our letters means nothing. It's just a bunch of bullshit, frankly, unless that the new golden doodle owner on the corner by my house understands that they're looking for somebody who has a letter uh, underneath their name or a, or a credentialing uh, next to their business name. And that's really where we have not done our job. Have you heard of Time to Pet? Doug from Bad to the Bone Pet Care has this to say. Time to Pet has made managing my team and clients so much easier. Our clients love the easy-to-use app and scheduling features, and our sitters love being able to have all of their information organized and easily accessible. My favorite feature is the instant messaging. By keeping conversations on Time to Pet, we are able to monitor our team and ensure nothing ever falls through the cracks. If you're looking for new pet sitting software, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of our show can save 50% off your first three months by visiting timetopet.com slash confessional. Whose responsibility is that uh, as far as, as educating the public on, on, on what that difference is? I have a, I mean, I have a really clear and straightforward answer. It's everyone's responsibility. And that's not a bullshit answer. Like that is not, I don't mean like, it's everyone's responsibility. It's the leaders of our, it's it's the collective leadership of our industry. And I mean, from every vertical, from veterinary to grooming, dog walking, pet sitting, boarding, daycare, 
Re- uh, retail is a big one. Lots of traffic and retail. Rescue. Name a vertical. Everyone needs to be on the same page about this. I mean, this is the problem, right? This is the this is the thing that I waste stay up nights thinking, how do we get everyone to show up together and have a united force to say these things are important? Mr. and Mrs. Pet Owner, Ms. Pet Owner, we want to make sure that you know that we are all together on this. We as a pet care industry care about the life and health of your pet and the happiness of your household because of that. And so we all agree that these are some standards that we we hope that you ascribe to. And so, you know. Who's responsible? I think, you know, I like to think that, um, you know, Fetch Finance taking a, a role in that. Um, we just signed an agreement with the um, International Kennel Club. And we'll be asking all of the organizations to come to the show here in Chicago. It's 100,000 consumers that walk through the doors. The biggest dog show, consumer dog show in the world to come through the doors. And we want to have, and we will have a, a pet care section where, you know, NAPS will have a booth and IBPSA will have a booth and everyone will have a booth. So at least we can start getting some awareness out there. It has to be some grassroots because there's not enough budget from anybody to be able to do any national advertising about these organizations and what they what they do. But there's lots of grassroots things that if we got together on it, we'd have a lot. We'd, we'd, it would be a lot easier because right now everyone's running off in directions trying to get, you know, get visibility and, and get eyeballs onto what their cause is per vertical. And I think there needs to be a more collective approach about, yeah, there's a lot of different organizations within the industry because there's a lot of different specialties. But at the end of the day, we all agree that that having a person in your home or someone you're taking your animals to should have some basic some basic credentialing or some basic education and people should know the difference between that and someone who puts up a sign at the grocery store. Yeah, and that sounds kind of weighty, right? When you say, oh, it's everybody's responsibility. But just taking a moment to step back and go, yeah, that's my responsibility, right? If I want this industry to be better, if I want pet parents to be better educated, I need to have a role in that. Maybe I want to have a role in that. And that really separates the difference between people who are just in the industry running a business, and then there are the proponents for the industry. There's a real big kind of divide there between let me just focus on my thing and then let me make this place better. Yes, that's exactly right. And I think, I mean, here's the reality, right? And you run a pet care business. I ran pet care businesses for years. You're busy. You're busy managing your current staff, your future staff, your current clients, your hopeful future clients, all of the animals in your care, all of the drama that goes on between all the interspecies stuff. Like there's a lot going on. And then to have to take on the responsibility of being an education, a source of education and awareness, awareness training for the general public, which is a very, like you said, a heavy lift and an expensive endeavor if done properly. That's asking a lot, which is where I think that we need to have some. I think there are organizations, both for profit and nonprofit in our industry that need to take the leadership role on that and say, look, we're going to take care of you as a constituent or as a peer or as rise one ship rises and they all rise like i think this is really where we're at as an industry i think it's about the you know the dogtopias and the camp bawas and the fetches and i think i think these organizations that are tr- tremendous have incredible leadership and great you know great great protocols and great processes and, and i think but they also have more resources arguably assumedly i should say like where can we get those folks, along with some of the other, you know, nonprofit membership organizations, where can we have everyone come together and just say, let's agree on a couple of basic things and see how we can support, how we can support each other. It's just, it's tough. It's, and the industry has never been one that, you know, it's very fragmented. 
and uh, and the fragmentation serves us well, um, but it also creates an ongoing challenge around this whole awareness and how do we create more professionalism? It's it's a it's a it's going to be something that's going to take some time to figure out. I think it's getting better. Um, I don't think it's near what it needs to be though. It definitely has a, a very um, us versus them mentality, especially when you're talking about those verticals of, no, I don't go talk to those people because they're, they're in direct you know, um, competition from my same clients, and I don't go over there, and I'm going to just let me just do my own thing. But what it takes is going, no, we're all in the industry, and, and now let's see, let's have some communication here. And if I have an opinion on, on what I think should happen or a best practice, well, let's go talk to other people. Right? That, that's where that starts, of just going, I want everybody to be better here. Well, and it goes back to my original concept, my original, I should say, I don't know if it's a theory necessarily, but it certainly goes back to my whole thing is how our industry, how you decrease competition is to increase consumer base. Mm. So that's what we never get to. How do we make sure that more people get animals? The more people are animals, the less, like, yes, there'll be more demand. And of course, there'll be more competition popping up as 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 the pet ownership as pet ownership grows nationally. However, if everyone got one more pet right now, <laughs> but I mean, really think about it. If everyone got, if, 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 if 10% of the pet owning population got one more pet, whether it be a rabbit, a cat, a dog, what a bird, there is no, you've got more business than you know what to do with. But we, we're not, again, we're not working together as an industry. We're not working on increasing pet ownership. We're not, no one's thinking about increasing pet ownership. People are thinking about, don't be my competition. Hmm. Right? They're not thinking about how do we work together to be the best possible industry. So people are like, I want more animals because I love this industry. Whether I go into my veterinarian's office or I have the dog walker come over, it all feels so connected. That it's, it's not. People feel like it's a complete wild, wild west experience. How do, I, how do I find my fill in the blank? I, how do I find the best vet? How do I find the, how, the foods? Everything about this industry creates a trail of breadcrumbs for the consumer. Everything. Every, it's a trail of breadcrumbs. Whether it's finding a provider or picking a food or understanding the differences between, you know, what, what a pet sitter is and a dog walker is or one litter to another, whatever it is, it's a trail of breadcrumbs. And consumers are the ones that suffer for that because we're all so busy with this, like, you know, competitive mindset and, and sort of, you know, and, 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 and trying to fight for employees. I mean, there's just so much stuff, but we're like, well, I, I think about this Mrs. Johnson or Mr. Smith or whomever down the street who maybe would get another doodle if they felt supported. And then another doodle is twice as much business for the industry. Well, it's kind of like reminds me of the, the automotive industry, right? It's not very uncommon to have people who have three vehicles, four vehicles, but they can do that, A, because they, they, they have the means to, so that's a certain type of clientele, but also because there's a support network of, of, uh, of, of repair shops, of all sorts of, you know, services that can make sure that their lifestyle that they want to lead is supported. And I know where to go for that. If I need this, I go here. Like it's, it's not, you never, I mean, it's very rare that if you have a problem with your car that you don't know where to go, whether you go right to the insurance company, right to the dealer, right? I mean, like these are not, it, the path is it's clear and in pet, it is just the opposite of, it's just not clear. And again, from a, from a financial perspective, adding a pet to your household, and I'm not, by the way, I'm not at all advocating that everyone should go out and get a second pet or a third. Like, that's not my, that's not my position. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that I think there are a lot of potential pet households that would get a pet if they didn't feel like it was staring down a path of, you know, disclarity and, 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 and 
you know, lack of support or lack of entry point of where to get the information. The industry has certainly changed an awful lot, um, you know, over the last several years, and I mean, just the last five years alone. But thinking back, what do you what do you think when when you look back over the industry? Um, what what do you think it is going to take to to make the industry more of a professional industry, both in the minds of the the the, the proponents of it, the people who are actually doing the practitioners, and of the general public? Hmm. I mean. <sighs> I mean, I think it's a lot of what I just, what we just talked about the other, which is, you know, the public's awareness of what a pet professional, a true pet professional looks like, what their background is, what their ongoing training is, you know, what the employer's principles are and, and, and all of those things. I think that's, you know, I think that's a missing link and the missing piece. And I think for the industry itself internally, I think it's about continued access to education and resources and information and inclusivity across the different verticals. Like as an example, you know, we are an industry that does not, does not uh, lack of conferences and trade shows. We have a lot of conferences and a lot of trade shows. My, my goodness. Um, And, and they're all verticalized, hyper verticalized. You've got your pet sitter conference. You've got your boarding and daycare conference. You've got your retailers conference. You've got your veterinary stuff. You've got your grooming stuff. Very, very, it's, it's, it is rare. I can't think, I can think of one example, maybe two, one, where there's any crossover. So we continue to, we continue to create these silos where we're not accessing expertise and insights from other verticals and other experts and other leaders and other thought leaders and other information, data, resources, education, et cetera, where, you know, the reality is, is that it's all crosses. One animal re- receives one dog, we'll just use a dog, receives care from every single vertical. They receive, I assume, right, we'll just go sort of broad strokes here. They have a dog walker. They have a place they drop off for vacation care. They have a place, they have a veterinarian, they buy their food somewhere, they get their dog groomed, they've gone to a couple of puppy classes, yet not one of those organizations is in a, is in a cross relationship. I mean, yes, there's like referral relationships in communities, but dog walkers aren't going to veterinary conferences, not, not that they should go into clinical CE-related Veterinary, I get that, but there's got to be things that we can do where we create some conversation and some some visibility into what these other verticals do for the pets, and see where there is some shared where we can share some resources and have some shared understanding and visibility. I don't think my, my guess is that most veterinarians don't really understand what it means to be a pet sitter. No, I don't think that most retailers know how to truly. Uh, help a client pick out a, a dog, uh, a boarding and daycare facility. Like, I don't think that there's really, everyone's so, again, siloed. So I think that moves our profession forward is to have that sort of pollination, cross-pollination, that we have a place where everyone can come and get some information about the other verticals just for some insight. Maybe there's some education. Maybe there's some, you know, there could be something social connected to it. I don't, I don't know exactly, but I do know that right now, We've got one pet that we're all servicing, but we're all doing it separately. 
know, there isn't a lot of crosstalk there. And then what that means is that each silo ends up having to kind of reinvent the wheel or re- go find more resources or go back into these places that maybe one's already, you know, well ahead of. And then when it comes to your local community, right, as, as dog walkers and pet sitters, we love, you know, we, we, we go into trainers' offices, we go into veterinary offices, we go into groomers. But we, there's an assumption in our head that they know what we do, right? There's an okay. assumption that we go, okay, well, they'll obviously be able to tell that I'm the best one in the area or that I'm reputable, but they don't, right? A lot of times, I'm sure they just refer to us because we're the ones who bring the donuts, right? <laughs> right? Like that's that's really what it is. <laughs> yeah, we spend a lot of our professional time talking about what's the best donut to bring to the veterinarian. Not, I mean, like. That's really, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, joking a little bit. But, I mean, we spend our professional time talking about how to get more veterinarians to to pick us, which is a super important business development. I mean, this is like, you have to do that. That's part of just building a business. But there's, I think, other things we can be doing in, in addition to that to help build, uh, you know, crossover. Like I like what you said, cross-talk awareness or, you know, something that just helps, again, ele- elevate everybody. Because, you know, veterinarians are held at this high level, but the reality is that the other pet care verticals have much more impact on a pet's day-to-day health. And and that is not, um, you know, that's not really the, it's not really the, the belief system. It's just not. It's not. And then that's where we can start having that conversation, I think, is important locally, but also getting involved with organizations, looking at more you know, state, national organizations to just go, okay, maybe I'm here for more continuing education, but I can also be here to be a, you know, a lobbyist, so to speak, a representative of the industry yes. to be a voice, right? And, and start that. Yes, I think that's, I just wrote that in my note down. You made me think of something. That's exactly right. I think that's the I, I see it happening. It's for sure happening, and there's so many good people that want to have that want to be a part of that and that are a part of that. I mean, I look at our amazing organizations in the industry, you know, NAPS and, and IBPSA, and you know, I mean, ABDT. There's so many great organizations. PAC. I mean, they're just all trying so hard to make that happen, but it's not on every. It's not the. It's not at the top of everyone's mind about you know making some space in the day or the week or the month or the year to to. to participate in those discussions. Right. It, it absolutely is. And because and, it is a hard time to carve out that. And But I, I, I really think that if this is an industry that we believe in, that we are passionate about, that we want to see succeed, we do need to take five minutes to send an email once a month or something like that, right? You can find a place as, as, as those are, who are able can invest and can, uh, you know, those time, talents, and treasures so that they can can, can be part of that as well. Our friends at Pet Perennials make it easy to send a heartfelt condolence gift directly to someone with a broken heart. They have this awesome direct-to-consumer gift model that takes the effort off of us and ensures a thoughtful, personalized, simply gift that reaches our client or employee on our behalf. All gift packages include handwritten cards, colorful gift wrap, and shipping fees across both the U.S. and Canada. They also offer an array of milestone gifts and greeting cards that can be sent to celebrate birthdays, extend goodwill wishes, and welcome new and even rescued pets. Additionally, there are gift choices in case you need to send a sympathy gift in memory of a special human client or celebrate a pregnancy, engagement, or wedding of a pet lover. If you're interested, register for a free business gift perks account to unlock the all-inclusive discounted package prices. Since the service is used on an as-need basis, there are no monthly or annual obligations or minimum purchase. Learn more at petpornealist.com, check out their business programs, or register for that free gift perks account by using the link in the show notes. 
you, you are really passionate about about this industry, Jamie, and and I am curious why. What 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 is it about this industry that attracts you to it that makes you want to make sure it's it's successful and is the best it can be? No one ever asked me that question. How do you not answer it? Because it feels like it's almost like saying, what makes you want to be a human in some ways? Or why do you like animals? I mean, it's like a, I mean, it's a great question. Not one that I really have an answer for because I, here's the reality. I'm 52 years old. I've been in this industry since I was 18. Do the math, right? I mean, I I was brought to this industry in a very organic, passionate way. I was, um, I mean, I, like worked in shelters and stuff when I was, and I worked at the zoo. I did like a bunch of animal stuff before I was uh, like, you know, out of college. But, you know, my first job out of college, I was a social worker, a crisis case manager. And I had a, an opportunity, which was, was just the universe provided a kitten at a back door at a group home I was working in. And like sort of the rest just sort of played itself out. That kitten opened my eyes to the power of animals and the power of animals in a relationship and opened my eyes to a full industry as a career. I mean, so I, you know, I was 23, 24 years old. Um, I think what, I mean, my whole life is here. It's, I, I don't know how to answer that question. I think I feel like my best my best perspective on that is that I, I've watched this industry in every way do so much for so many people. And I mean that from the basics of, uh, you know, I mean that from the level of a dog saving someone's life. And literally, I mean that from a perspective of, a, of a, someone who wanted to change their career and found their path in pet care. I mean that from people who have made, who, from friendships that I have and other people watching their friendships and lifelong friendships. I watch this industry is so full of heart and passion and compassion and, and, and it's ever evolving and it's, there's so much emerging technology and there's so much, you know, there's so many thought leaders and there's so many cool uh, products and there's so many and the and the dogs themselves and the and the and the and the different breeds and the and the, the all the behavior everything about it is just fascinating to me. So I don't know again I know that's like such a big answer and it just it's all so fascinating. I just and, and the fact that it's still so um early as an industry that we're still so young and there's so many things that can be done from an entrepreneurial perspective. It's very exciting for me. Um, there's so many, there's so much impact that uh, myself and my company can have, um, you know, there's, it's just blue ocean and it's just, there's so much, you know, or blue sky and open ocean or whatever the, whatever the that phrase is. It's all of the, all of the skies and oceans and all the colors. It's just, I think, so that is not, a very succinct answer, but it's every answer I can give you because it's every reason imaginable that I. <laughs> well, I, I think it's very relatable because this is a giving industry. This is a passionate industry, and the people who are here have found their purpose. Right this this is an industry that when we, basically it finds you in a lot of cases, and you look up and and you say you know it's given us so much. I know of people who who the job has literally you said saved lives. I know of sitters who who started and you know they've been able to to walk and they've become active. They've saved their health. They've saved you know relationships. They've been able to get from this. They pay for their kids' college. They pay for the food on the table because of this industry. It's a giving industry, and when you're a part of that, when you see that aspect of it, you can't help but also to then give back someone asked me the other day in fact uh, mother's day I was with my family and someone said hey, how's the going and what's going on and, and you know just talking about 
don't know, whatever people talk about the future. If you, you know, what do you think you would do after a fetch finder? If you ever, you know, if you ever didn't have fetch finder, what would you do? You probably wouldn't work at pet, right? And I was like, oh my gosh, that's a great question. And I don't, yeah, of course I work in pet. I don't know what I would do, but it would sound, I, I can't imagine being in another industry. It doesn't even seem, it's not appealing. I mean, maybe there's an adjacency somewhere, but there's got to be a pet component to it. I mean, there's got to be something. I don't know. I, I just, it's fun. It's great. This conversation, everyone's so awesome. Everyone's so awesome and so loving and so accessible. And I've never, it's so rare that I have, you know, that I talk, have a conversation with somebody where I don't walk away feeling inspired or, at least, you know, inspired or educated or informed or challenged or something like there's something that comes from every conversation. And there's, again, so many places to go for any entrepreneur or for anyone interested in being in the industry. There's just choices upon choices. So it's, it's a, can't imagine being anywhere else, frankly. Well, and you've mentioned you know, skies and oceans and all sorts of different colors. And you know what I really hear from you is about the different opportunities that are there as as the industry grows and as client expectations uh, client expectations change and technologies come up. When you when you look to where you think the where the industry is heading or some of the exciting opportunities, what, what do you see or what do you what excites you the most these days? I think um, I think always emerging technology and creating efficiencies via technology is exciting to me because I know that that would help everybody just to have more time with their, you know, building their businesses or with their families. Like there's just technology is still, we're still on the cusp of what technology can do. And I don't mean technology to create distance or create an impersonal experience, but I mean, I think there's just a lot of emerging solutions that help both on the B2B side and the B2C side. That's interesting to me. Um, I think. I think there's a lot of room for creative pet care. I think there's still so many things that just like on the one-to-one care basis, taking care of someone's animal or animals, I think there's still, there continues to be so many ways to be inventive around just providing a loving, a loving experience for both pet owner and, and pet. I think there's just a lot of ways to create connections with within communities, within families. I think, I, you know, again, I'm giving you really broad strokes because I I think about this myself. I, I do love, obviously, technology. I have a technology company and I do love um, creating efficiencies. And I love creating collaborations. And I think there's a lot of room for that right now. I think it's really important you find the right people to collaborate with because I think in any industry, people are people and there's good and bad and there's sort of, you know, there's warm and cold. And I think that understanding someone's, I think that if you're in this industry and you're looking for opportunities, especially in the collaboration or partnership department uh, angle, rather, I think that understanding someone's motivations um, is really important. Uh, There's a lot of, and I, you know, I'm older, I'm more mature, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like there's got to be an all for one, one for all all ships rise mentality and, and no matter what you're doing in this industry or else I think you're not going to be successful. Well, I did want to touch on the technologies aspect because that's an, that, that's part of, again, when I look at back over the last three, five years, the industry has just come huge leaps and bounds forward, especially through yeah. COVID as not just business owners became a lot more comfortable with technologies, but our clients did 
as well. And obviously, you know, artificial intelligence, like that, that's the, that's the, the elephant in the room for businesses. Uh, do, do you feel like that's still at a pretty early stage for, for businesses to jump in at this point? Or is that something they can actively start using to make their businesses better? You're speaking specifically of AI and the AI suite of tools? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I am, uh, uh, yeah, it's a fun, <laughs> I feel like AI has become like a weirdly political, it's like a political, uh, I mean, it's like you can't, I, where was I? Oh, I was at the Lizzo concert last night um, in Milwaukee uh, with my daughter and a friend. And uh, we were at uh, Fifth Serve Stadium the, where the Bucks played basketball. Anyhow, it's a brand new stadium. It's beautiful. It was built a few years ago. I think it was built right before COVID. Anyway, uh, there we are at this stadium. And uh, Amazon Go, uh, if you know the the organization, you know the, where Amazon, their technology is where you throw your credit card in and you walk in through an automated gate and you buy whatever you want and you just walk out and then it charges your card. I mean, I feel like that's like this technology. right? And this is a, a woman behind me. And of course, I think that's just cool. <laughs> I just, I just love that. <laughs> I get why. I listen. I'm not like. I just think it's cool for the sake of being cool. Let's not talk about like all the implications. I understand the implications: privacy, you know, labor. Like I, jo- I get all of it. But listen, on the face of it, it's pretty damn cool that you can walk in, walk out, and like have no fuss, no mo- like. That's cool. Like way to go, human brains coming up with that stuff. And this woman, as I was commenting to my 11-year-old, you know, she was like, this is really cool. I'm like, this is cool. And this is why it's cool. She was listening, unbeknownst to me. And she said, yeah, it's really cool until you lose your job for it. I was like, hmm, hear you. Now I can talk about that right now. We're Lizzo. We're about to go jam up. But, um, and I don't know you also too. Anyway, um, I think that with AI, <laughs> so I'll get to my point. I think with AI, there is so much fear and unknown about, and, and so much, there's a lot of misconception about what AI can do. It's a tool. So AI is just the internet 30 years ago. That's it. It's just the internet. You know, there's a great, you remember the clip, everyone's seen that David Letterman clip. Maybe they haven't seen it, but look it up. It's David Letterman was interviewing um, Bill Gates, 1980, something else, 85 or something, maybe. I can't remember. It's somewhere. And David Letterman says to Bill Gates, you know, in his like very David Letterman-y kind of way, he was like, so the internet, really? (laughs) And Bill Gates gets this like very knowing smile on his face. He's like, well, Dave, you know, let me tell you, yeah, the internet really. And he sort of gave a little high level thing. And Dave, David Letterman, for those of us who remember David Letterman, who's still around, who's awesome, you know, sort of had this, this like very sarcastic, you know, sardonic kind of look on his face, like, uh-huh, go on. And, and looking at the audience, kind of rolling his eyes. That's what AI is now. And there's also a ton of awesome clips. If you like go back and you look at like news reporters talking about the internet or it's just so cool because it's exactly what's happening now, but now we're actually more informed so we can actually use the tool and not be so afraid of it because we know that yes, there's always evil uses, but there's evil uses for the internet, but everyone's on it right now. There's evil uses for everything and there's evil uses for cars and I mean, food, I mean, whatever. But the point is, I think that our industry is, um, is always right for, for innovative use. Uh, around technology and, and artificial intelligence is no different. Um, you know, and there's a lot of great tools out there right now that obviously use AI. Um, 
that can help you to be more efficient in your business. And who doesn't want to be more efficient? I mean, even if you're just using chat GPT with good inputs and, you know, you're building, you know, client, you know, better client intake forms, or you're, you know, trying to solve for how to, you know, cut your, cut, you know, cut your labor costs. I mean, AI can help to solve all of those and more. Um, the challenge, I think, um, the challenge, well, there's lots of challenges, but that it isn't ever it. So I get a couple of AI newsletters every day. And honestly, it's hard to keep up. And I'm pretty interested in it and fancy myself a bit of a like, like, I think it's cool. And I look at it a lot. I use it, you know, in different areas of my business and my personal life. But it's like, ever, it's moving so fast that once you think you have a handle on how to leverage it for whatever use case you may have, it tomorrow it might be a little legitimately tomorrow it might be different. And I think that that sort of sucks. Um, so you either have to, if you're going to use AI, I think you have to make a decision about the use case and like lean into that for a couple months and like, don't worry about the advances made me, maybe not don't worry, but don't get anxious about, am I using the best? And is it the most updated? Like if you can use something today that is, again, even if it's just using open AI, chat GPT 3.5 or four, whatever it is, and you're just solving some basic problems about how to write emails, like you can like redo all of your email templates, right? Good inputs are important, by the way. But um, but uh, <laughs> really, really important. Sorry, you're getting lots of shit back. Um, but there's like so many great podcasts and like my TikTok at this point, and I, I do think TikTok's cool. My TikTok is primarily just like listening to good people talk about, you know, give me three minutes, give me a two minute snippet on like a smart way to leverage an AI tool that will help me help other people. So anyway, again, I give you really long answers, Colin. You're easy to talk to. You're too oh, yeah. easy. Oh, sorry. I'll be more standoffish next time. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I think what it is, is just going as a business, looking at the available tools and just asking that question, could I do this right now? Right? What would this give, what benefit would this give me? And then making those one small changes, one small ch- steps at a time. Uh, and then, and then seeing where that takes you, right? And just experimenting with it. You're not diving in and changing your entire CRM and backend sales process and all that. You're not doing that, right? You're going, Hey, can I help right, do an email template or can I have this put together a, a bite uh, report forum for my staff, you know, or, or things like that, and then and just 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 start playing around with it on those low stakes, on those low stakes things. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's exactly right. And then, and like three months ago, you would have never thought of that because that would have felt high stakes. But now that is like a more low stake, more easy entry place. Um, and again, without getting into all the political, here's the nice thing about pet care. Here's the nice thing: AI is never going to replace someone walking someone's dog. And I know, Jamie, you don't know robots, but whatever, whatever. I'm not even going there. I'm not wasting anyone's time even <laughs> pretending that that's a conversation we should have. In our lifetime, and you know what? I don't even, whatever. I'm, I'm just going to say it. I don't care. You guys can come at me as much as you want. At this point, your job is safe as a pet care provider. So if you can leverage technology, whether it be AI or, you know, online learning or whatever it is, like use it and be stronger, better, more efficient, faster, do all that stuff. Jamie, I really want to thank you for coming on the show today and for encouraging us to be passionate and use that passion to make the industry better so we can be building a legacy and, and an industry that we can all be proud of. I know this is obviously a big topic. It's a, a problem that you've been working and, and, and punching away at for a long time, uh, and there's a lot more topics that we could have d- dive, uh, gotten into today. Uh, if people want to learn more about Fetch Find or get connected with you and see all the cool stuff that you have going on, how best can they do that? 
They can do that by going to our website, of course, which is uh, really simply fetchfind.com. Um, or they can reach out to us at hello, H-E-L-L-O, fetchfind.com. Anything that we need, anything we can do that you need to help the to help you in your in your pursuit of being the best possible business owner and the best pe- possible pet care professional, Fetch Find is in business to do that. And it's our passion and our mission, and we're driven towards it every day. So uh, we're happy to help. Perfect. Jamie, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing some time with us today and for encouraging us all in this. It, it means so much, and I'm so thankful for it. So thank you very much. And thank you for everything you do for our industry and for who you are. It's amazing. I really appreciate that you're a part of bringing the best to an industry that deserves it. So do you see yourself playing a role in the vitality and health of the pet care industry? I think before we get to that point, we have to ask ourselves, why do we care? Why do we care if this industry succeeds or doesn't? For many of us, it may be, well, if the industry doesn't do well, my business doesn't do well, I can't pay my bills, and I have to go back to working my nine-to-five job, which I don't really want to do. For others, it may be, I need this to succeed because of the connection that I have, and I'm finally living my passion and my dreams in running my business. Still others may respond with, this industry gives me something, gives me hope, helps me be connected to something greater than I could ever imagine. And I want more people to experience that. Whatever the reason it is for you, I think we can all agree that we'd like this industry to stick around for a little bit longer. (laughs) What role can you play? What role can we all play? I think that's a really important question that we can have when we look at the headwinds that face the industry as things change, as disruption occurs. We have a role in that, and that's something worth pursuing. We want to thank today's sponsors, Time to Pet and Pet Perennials, for making today's show possible. And we really want to thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll be back again soon. (laughs) 